What are you doing out in the snow? It's 32 degrees below zero Celsius and my dad is working hard looking beyond the extents of hypothermia, hypochondria and all the elements combined, he works to build a fence. A true servant, a true worker, a true exhibit of hard work and ethics. This is my father in whom I am well pleased. Hey, it's me again. Does your job still suck? Are you still mad at your job and therefore life sucking? Then you should join the Bitcoin podcast Slack, where the people there don't suck, or at least their jobs don't. So, in essence, their lives don't either. Join the Slack. Uh-oh. Hey. What's up, y'all? Did we use that extra blurry image of those two random people because we weren't trying to get sued or that resolution looked like it was five by five? <laughs> hey, guys, welcome to the Bitcoin podcast. Uh, today, we're going clockwise. I'm the host that talks first, D. I am the host that talks second. And apparently, I'm... Appropriate for the clockwise situation. Dr. Corey Payne. Yeah. I was in a different yeah, tab, so I didn't notice broke. if that was going to be me or not. Host number three, Jesse Broke. Mm. Welcome to the show, everybody. We're doing it. We're back at you, you know? We you know, took a little hiatus, but we're back now. Wait, we were back last week, so we can't. Mm. Yeah, we did this that. last week. Can't use that shame spiel. And we did an interview. Um, we did an interview this week. We had... And I did some hashing it out. I'm back. Did I say that right? No. I think it's Lishing. Lishing. How was that interview? It was great. Um, these little wallets, these Keystone wallets, got one in here. Pretty great. Oh, okay. My fingerprint. 
It's a different kind of hardware wallet. Got a, got a fingerprint scanner, got a camera. And uh, are you ever worried that do, if you lose that finger, you can't get back into that thing? No, because it has got <laughs> backward pass up. Like back, All right. backup password. So like most of the time when you do biometrics for any device, it is a shortcut um in lieu of entering your password. So more often than not, in current security standard standards nowadays, um the majority of what you have to do is the password. Since that's cumbersome, they allow you to do shortcuts like biometric fingerprint, facial scanning, things like that, or a pin to um obfuscate using the long needy password you can just use a fingerprint and do that oh no my finger doesn't work because it got cut off because uh i do woodworking or i'm in the mafia and uh you can still put your password that's fine nice of course you would be in the irish mafia <laughs> what is that what ira who is that i think it's the what, IRA. what was the irish mafia back in the day i'm pretty sure it's the ira i think you got that absolutely right yeah Corey, I don't think you could be a mafioso. You don't have it in you. I'd be like the optimistic guy. That's like, it's like no one knows yeah. it's a terrible person, but it's a terrible person. You know, I yeah, say this that, thing works but... through QR codes. QR codes. Only QR codes. Really? You never have to connect it to anything. Just QR codes. Well, I hope you guys are ready for the interview because that's going to be sexy for your ears and enlightening for your mind. So, and it, do they follow the security triactive of something you know, something you are, and a little piece of your soul? Um, I guess if you want to, I mean, you need the hardware wallet, so that's something you have. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like authentication and authorization. I guess if you if you want to if you want to include the hardware device as a signing on technology for Ethereum applications, then yes, it's all three. Mm-hmm. Um. Something you have is a hardware wallet. I mean, something you know is usually like the password that opens up MetaMask in the first place. This this interacts with MetaMask or a bunch of other apps. And then um, something you are is the biometric data you use to unlock the keystone, the hardware wallet, or the password. So like, there's a combination of all those things to actually then get to the point of signing a transaction. So there's quite a few security measures in, involved with, you know, um, getting to the point of getting a signed transaction using the keys that unlock these things or control whatever asset you're doing. I think that's always the most frustrating thing about using hardware wallets is the num- the amount of button presses. Mm, especially you- in the ledger. We talked about that in the interview. And like you can tell that uh, he does not like ledger very much. Um, he doesn't say it outright, yeah. but he has quite a few criticisms of how they work and um, the the his opinion of their 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 business strategy and so on and so forth mm-hmm. and and how they're uh, differentiated from that so you get to listen to the interview and catch all that but like yeah using even, I, I have a ledger blue and which has the like old touch screen they don't, they don't make those anymore they abandoned them and they don't work very well anymore anyway uh but you can at least like touch the screen there's you don't have to like on on the on the like the, the ones that look like usb drives the majority of what people identify as a ledger Mm-hmm. Um, you get like you got like two buttons, and you just go up and down for everything, everything, or you push them so together painful. for something like that. And it's so awful. it's a process for doing it, especially if you have like, say you want to you want to do like the twenty fifth word, which is like the secret the secret phrase for um, generating a, <laughs> an entirely different set of keys. Then like the process of logging into your ledger is so long, and then you have to like 
try and verify what you're signing and all sort of nonsense through this tiny little screen. It's annoying. It's safe. Mm-hmm. It's just hey, annoying. But we're early adopters, right? Right? We're willing to stand yeah. on the left side of the chasm so that those on the right side of the chasm can feel like everything just works well as a ton of us die falling into the chasm, but like 1% of us build a bridge and make it across, right? Early adoption. Am I right? High five. There's a lot yeah. of folks just standing on the edge of that cliff watching folks fall over it and not doing a damn thing about it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I guarantee you, if we take this into another analogy and somebody was like, hey, bro, here's the deal. And they're approaching me. And back in the day, and they're like, hey, you see that mountain over there? We got to get over it because we know there's some land over there on the whole west side of the U.S. We got to get over that mountain. You're coming with me. All right. Um, uh, I would be like, no, I'm not going. I'm not exploring. I'm not. I'm not that guy. I'm not, I'm not that guy. I'm not going to explore for other people's benefit. Okay. So what everyone in crypto is doing right now is exploring for other people's benefit. I have a friend who just lost thousands of dollars on the alien secret, secret alien society. And I said, don't oh, do no. that. I said, don't, uh, why would you do that? And he said, well, they said, if I bought it, I'd be a part of a secret society. And I was like, oh no, do they really? So I have a kid on this Christmas Carol who gets like, uh, <laughs> Who gets the Dakota ring and just says drink more Olvacine? He's all butt hurt after it. Oh, <laughs> so so your buddy was playing around on Solana with a secret society NFTs. Yeah, he was. Yeah, every NFT okay. is like a secret society of sorts, I guess. NFTs are a whole different thing. One thing I will appreciate about the NFT is that although ninety nine percent of the craze of it is going to go away, <clears throat> it did bring in enough people for the sustainability of crypto to continue on. Right. And NFTs are wild. Um, but I don't want to get sidetracked with just NFTs. All right. I want to get sidetracked with some other things. So this year is going to be the year of the Dow. And I could take this time to plug the one that we're building, but I'm not going to. I'm going to do that later. My question to you guys is this. Can... We say distributed autonomous organization. Should there be like levels to that shit? And I don't mean that in jokingly way. I mean that autonomy has levels to it, right? But there's always is how do how do you even measure autonomy? I guess that's an interesting question, right? Is autonomy measured by the amount of humans needed to touch a process? Is autonomy does it have I'm pretty sure there's a science to it, like autonomology or some shit. But like how do you uh measure something that is autonomous right does anybody do you guys know do we have a googler well is it i think it depends it depends right what what you're contexting autonomous to be in if you're talking about driving right they can can here's a question that should answer this for you yeah yeah is there one type of organization there's multiple types of organizations so why would you need one type of autonomy autonomy wouldn't you need several types of autonomy? Yeah. So there's just like it's not that like organizations have different needs. The amount mm. in which you are um, deferring human interaction for machine interaction, which is where the autonomy comes in. Yes. Changes based on those needs. That's my interpretation of this type of stuff. Like all of those, is all it? of those words, distributed, autonomous organization are all all have various levels based on what that group of people needs to be doing. Mm. 
autonomology. <laughs> it's a good word. Um, my internet sucks. You know, so, right, I'm, I'm restarting. I will rejoin. No, your internet doesn't suck. Uh, no, your your internet's fine. It's so bad okay. on my side. I can barely hear any of you. Really? I mean, you can restart. Maybe you should go away. Yeah, Corey, go go away. Fix your computer. So Man, I was um, gonna ask Corey a question. I was gonna I'm ask I'm so glad him. I see that you're in a jacket and a shirt. I thought you were in a black robe this whole time. And I was like, this man showed up to the show with a black robe on, the truest gangster shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so, anyways, okay. So then do we establish then what type of distribution, what type of autonomy, and what type of... Of course, you're going to establish what type of organization you're trying to run. Mm. But, like, where, I guess I'm just trying to create structure in my head. And which one do you prioritize first? Do you prioritize the distribution? Do you prioritize the autonomy? Do you prioritize the organization? My gut is telling me that you prioritize the organization. Then you set up how distributed that organization needs to be. Then you try and derive and create the autonomy that is necessary for the other two. I mean, that's what we're doing with Dad Dow, right? We have we're not to allowed to plug that yet. Yeah. We can't plug that. We can't plug okay. that. Well, yeah. So, I mean, if you if you look at like, I guess some of the DAOs in the space, they're really just all the all they are, are multi sigs, right? So, I think. I think a DAO would be something where you, you they're doing what you're saying. You have a rigid framework that everybody's operating within. And then within that general operating framework, you have more nuanced framework. But I mean, it's it's up to the user to define at some point what that looks like because you can't, in order to be a general autonomous framework for everybody to operate within, you do need to give them some sort of freedom to self-define what that looks like. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, yeah, you need some sort of, you know, general. So why don't framework. we call it an ODA then? An organized, distributed autonomy. I don't know, man. I, I actually have no idea who came up with DOA. It came from the DAO. Oh, DAO. Yeah, it came from was the first implementation of the idea. Um, and Slocket was the people who came up with, they're the majority of the people who came up with the idea as a way to fund the actual Slocket business company. Slocket. Huh. Bop it. So Stephen Twistle and Dr. Christian, I think it was Christian something. Yep. So the Dow was the first Dow, mm-hmm. the 2017 well, one. Okay. Based on like using that nomenclature of words, I mean, you could kind of argue that the Bitcoin community is a DAO. Mm-hmm. They just don't use the same words or things. It's it's a community that votes through a myriad of mechanisms that's rallied around a given coin that cares about some set of ideals. Mm-hmm. They have they have an improvement process, etc. But like the 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 DAO was an attempt to formalize <clears throat> that organization through. A series of smart contracts, which allows the machine to handle a lot of other things that machines in the past were handling for governance type issues. When did when did it derail so hard that everybody is basically not doing uh, exactly what we thought a DAO 
was, you know how like the standards for, uh, for NFTs on like, let's say Ethereum, there's like strong wording in terms of like NIST standards, like should, like the, the pointer to the URL should be, you know, IPFS, right? Should, must, should not. Yeah, exactly. And, and the thing is like, when did we go so, so far away from should and just throw stuff on, you know, AWS? Because it's permissionless. Anyone can do whatever they want. And it's convenient. And people don't like running hardware. So most of the tooling we have around DevOps is through orchestrating things in the cloud, spinning things up uh, on demand based, based on need. As people came in and tried to scale things, they used those tools and used the cloud because that's what they're used to. And we don't have good infrastructure to do with anything else. So what we have and what we've spent the majority of these, what? in a little over 10 years trying mm -hmm. to build out is blockchains. That's it. All the other stuff associated with coordination around um, how to make transactions, where to, store, where to store the software that creates these transactions, how to communicate with each other, voting, all this stuff is just, we didn't build any of that stuff. We're just using Web2 for that. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so because we had to scale with everything, that kind of took over and became like, I would call it a centralization factor. So we have a way to store assets and, and, and blockchains aren't good for storing data because that's not what they're made to do. We had to mm -hmm. store that somewhere. And, Are you able to talk about like that storage solution that you've kind of, I don't know. Not yet. No. Yeah, we're, okay. we're, we're building a storage solution. We call it a durability engine or mm -hmm. I mean, like we, we, at status, we, are trying to stick to that original mantra of Ethereum, which is mm -hmm. you need all three to have a real decentralized application. Unfortunately, like all three of those problems are really hard. Like people only stuck with the blockchain part of Ethereum because solving the blockchain part is really hard. They're still trying to do it. Everyone's still trying to do it, right? We're not there yet. I think so, a company like, is going to do it. Of course. What do you mean? Look, one person. Just, this is this is such a hard problem that it's going to no, take a lot of research. Don't uh, like, jump do down my throat, bro. I'm just saying, like, saying, like I think people are going to do it. <laughs> we, no, a uh, company is an organization of people, bro. That all things well, yeah, like, behave the same. Any way, any problem that's sufficiently to... complex is going to take multiple people. And all of them, unfortunately, people need money to to live. What? Feed their families, and companies are the things that usually pay those people to do that. Look, I have sufficiently complex problems on a daily basis, and it's just me <laughs> taking it out. Sufficiently complex, though. Oh, I see what you your, did there, your decision. I see what you did there, Captain Logic. But uh, you know, it's butterfly flutters. You know, it's a butterfly effect. Me deciding to go with brown sugar maple this morning instead of strawberry and cream oatmeal affected an earthquake in India. That's not how chaos works. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I watched that Ashton Kutcher movie, and I watched sure the Butterfly Effect too. <laughs> pretty sure that's exactly how it works. Have, have you seen the director's cut version of it? So weird, yeah. Oh boy, oh boy. Look, spoiler alert: Ashton Kutcher dies, but he also <laughs> dies in the he also dies in the regular alert. version too. So. But in the director's cut of the Butterfly Effect, Ashton Kutcher dies in a way fucked up way. So, you know, if you're ready for some fucked upery, 
you might rent that movie this weekend and then rent it. Like, Blockbuster when they go on. <laughs> oh dude i brought blockbuster night back into my life me and my girl we sit down we look at prime video and we're like all right let's go rent a movie are oh, you renting movies mom yeah man i know that i'm paying too much but it's, it's like the nostalgia <laughs> yeah it's like let's sit down you should and rent go a movie. Get, like an old vcr player and just like pretend after you push like the rent button you go pick like a <laughs> A dummy to cassette tape and put it in and be like, this is, we're gonna watch the movie now. Stupid, but that doesn't sound like a good <laughs> time. To get a DVD. Like, I, I can't remember the last time I saw version. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I saw a DVD. Oh. For the audience members, that's a digital video disc for you young <laughs> for you youngsters out there. Um, what does VHS stand for? Very high standards <laughs> what does vhs stand for that's a good question that's a google question we need a googler we have um, one it's called it's called the producer but i should think she's oh, got video home away. system and oh that's what it was video home system okay because before that before vhs you couldn't really watch movies at home that's fucking whack. I should have left it alone. I thought VHS had such grandeur. It means video home system. That's yeah. so fucking whack. What scientists named that? I'm pretty sure they didn't keep that job long. Jesus. No, that's a marketing thing. That's anyway, marketing. let's talk about crypto. Yeah, totally. Let's get back to crypto. So um, I think I don't know if we talked about this on the last show, but it's pretty neat because it's kind of relative to well, not relative to we're good friends with the team at my crypto and have been for years. We many times have we interviewed and had Taylor Moynihan on as a guest host. We tried to make her big, official co-host at one point. She didn't have time. Yeah, she's like, no, I'm doing doing shit. I don't have time to sit around. I'm and talk. busy I'm building. Your boss. I'm a boss awesome. ass bitch. That's a song. That's a song. But um a really catchy song, by the way. Have y'all heard that song? Uh, going. Anyways, uh, my crypto was bought by MetaMask. If you don't know what MetaMask is, you probably got into crypto like, I don't know, five minutes ago. Um, you probably still do if you're in here for five minutes. Like it's, it's like it's the main way in which people interact, hold, to- like hold tokens and interact with applications. Yep. By far. People skip right over Bitcoin these days. A lot. Oh, 100%. That's crazy. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, it's, it's wild. Just, uh, now Bitcoin has put itself into a hole. It puts, it put, put baby in a corner and it does one thing. And that's usually uh, people accumulating wealth and yeah. holding on to it. That is a uh, differentiated asset for investment than other traditional investments. Or they're incredibly idealistic and libertarianism. libertarianism or they live and they want to live in a place like you know, where, where is the all the new stuff happening with bitcoin mm-hmm. officially in government i got My a question for you guys how many how many f- fuck me moments do you have when it comes to explaining crypto to the general populace for example i was i went to vegas recently on my way back from vegas i was in the waiting area i forget what it's called I think it's literally called the waiting area. And, you know, it's one of the friends of the people I was with started saying, hey, you know, I heard you're into crypto. I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of into it. And then uh, then he immediately started talking about something. And he was like, have you heard of Fluco coin? And I was like, no. 
No, I haven't. And he was like, uh, Elon Musk was tweeting about Fluco the other day. And I'm, in my head, I'm just like, fuck me. Like, it's just, it just seems like. I don't even tell people I'm in crypto anymore. Yeah. I really? Didn't. I never did. Why? Because I don't want to have the conversations you are describing right now. Yeah. Okay. I build infrastructure for crypto. I don't follow stupid projects, stupid coins. And like try oh. to like, so when people say they get into crypto and they invest, they're gambling. And they're mm-hmm. trying to make a quick buck because they've heard so many wonderful stories about rich people getting into this becoming more rich or somebody buying crypto when they were a college kid uh, and accidentally becoming a multimillionaire or, you know, whatever, right? That's what they're doing. They're not doing anything else. It's not making their life any better other than potentially making them rich. That's 99% of people who are getting into crypto right now. And have you heard of Fluco, though? I don't care about that shit. But have you heard about it? I have not. Me either. I didn't hear about it either. But you're absolutely right. I mean, but there's, that's never going to go away. People still do that with stocks. Shit. Oh, stocks for sure. Are for a grip. Like, now, funny enough, like, I don't know if crypto had an influence on this or it's just fintech as an entire industry has grown substantially over the past 10 years is that uh, the inclusion of people uh, to get access to blue chip stocks and trade and do these things through modern applications like Robinhood or Seeds or whatever, where you can buy partial partial parts of a uh, of a stock, has drastically increased the amount of people who are getting into this and trying to like dabble and they call it investing, but it's gambling because they're not doing any research mm-hmm. uh, or have exit strategies or whatever. But there's a lot more people getting into it and thinking about it, which I think is partially valuable because they're thinking about the long-term value of their money and wealth and how that grows. No, it's not. Okay. They're not, they're not, they're not. There's, there's just people don't do that. It, okay. Out of the thousand people that get into it, a small percentage of those people drastically change their lives and their mind and, and adopt the way they live their life and think about money. And a lot of people just throw money away and make their whole lives and their family lives worse. It's a very small percentage of people who get out. Mm-hmm. Is it worth it? Uh, maybe. To them it is. To everybody else, probably not. They look at crypto like a scam and it turns them off from it in the future, right? Oh, yeah. We've had that conversation quite a bit um, mm-hmm. in multiple shows. It's, it's, it's because, because of this mentality. You know, people, like, when you look at your wallet mm-hmm. and the interface of a wallet, mm-hmm. and you look at like the, the portfolio view of all the assets you have inside of your wallet, what's the number one thing you see? A whole lot of fucking cats and chicken. That's not your wallet. That's the interface. You're talking about. You're talking about mine. You open up your crypto wallet. Oh my god! What's the biggest thing you see? A big number. That's your dollar. The dollar valuation of all the assets that you have, and then then it's relative change over the last you know twenty four hours, day, month, whatever. That's Mm. the most prominent thing you see in a wallet, which is what people want currently. That's Mm. how they think about this stuff. That's why they use it. And wallet providers are are optimizing for that view mm-hmm. but that's not what it's for like we need to if you want this stuff to become not that and you want people to think about the stuff differently then they have to interact mm-hmm. with it differently 
and think about it differently. And that is when they open up their wallet, it should be, what can I do with this stuff? What does it give me access yeah. to? Who does it, who does it connect me with? And how valuable is that? The value is secondary to what it does. And mm-hmm. none of this shit's going to change until that happens. Do you guys ever rub your nips while you look at uh, the purchasing power of your crypto wallet? Every day. <laughs> Jesse, Jesse, you don't have to be taken aback by the it's question. You can answer no, it the honestly. I... Worse. The belly button rub is like the worst rub. <laughs> Jesse, do you answer the question? Corey and I obviously the answer is yes. Wait, wait. Are you saying wait, what about belly button rubbing? What about Corey likes to tell, rub? His tell me belly how creepy button. it is. What's the worst case scenario? Like, say, say some dude is looking at you, okay, and he's rubbing something. Like it's socially okay. kind of socially acceptable rubbing. Okay. Are you more worried about the dude rubbing his mitts, or are you more worried uh-huh. about the dude rubbing their belly button? <laughs> Honestly, it doesn't bother me. It's just like, oh, that's a weirdo over there. Which one's more weird? Oh, Do man. I know this person? I, I've personally experienced nipple rubs. No, I'm gonna go you do not know this person. Rubs. Stranger, okay. Stranger is looking at yeah, you. Yeah, it would have to be belly, belly button. button. It would have to be belly button. <laughs> See, because a belly button rub to me, one, it's either a rub or a poke, right? Depending if you're in here or an Audi. And a belly button rub to me, okay, There's we got an actual question here that we probably should answer. Squizzy three. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Squizzy uh, Three. Thank you, Squizzy uh, Three. No, but I'm trying to make one. Status will eventually make that the prominent view of the wallet. What does that look like? That's does that show like question. what networks well, you can well, based on like how, much- how the communities feature will work, which is basically like all of the communications around tokens and the, and the communities that are involved with them. Um, you'll be able to like click on an asset and it'd be like, this gives you access to this community, this community, or like, these are the permissions that like, because you have this much, you have permissions to talk in this channel. So like you'll be able to go from the wallet to the community and the people involved quickly, mm-hmm. as opposed to just looking at the price. Who's in control of, 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 um, updating that for every given project. Projects. Within the community, there's administrators of communities. They are the ones that said that the the like kind of token permissions and stuff like that. Gotcha. Just like there's administ like there's just administrators of Discord, right? They kind of set the the roles and associated permissions of the people inside of the community. Eventually, those things can be voted on via DAO in terms of like, okay, this is how this permission is updated. But you know, for getting things rolled out, just using that. Hmm. By the way, I'll be announcing some things tomorrow in an F Denver about all this stuff finally for the larger for the larger public and showing like views and videos and all kinds of things. Jesse, do you rub your nips? Uh I I I take the fifth. Okay. <laughs> Weak, bro. Weak. <laughs> Weak. I actually made a tool so I could do both at the same time. I hang my phone up, right? <clears throat> I got a hanger and some string. Mm-hmm. Hang yeah. it up, open my wallet, make sure face ID kicks in, right? Because sometimes it'll swivel. Sometimes mm-hmm. it'll swivel and it won't catch your face. Yeah. And then the phone's like, sure. hey, you're going to try this again. Mm-hmm. Boom. Set there. I should do something about that axis. Maybe get the phone, get another piece of string on top so it doesn't move. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I. 
open my flaps and just get a little nip rub in there. Yeah. Got to buy a shirt with flaps, bro. You can't get those shits at <laughs> Walmart. <laughs> Got to make those, Jess. Make those. All right, let's get on to oh, something real. I like how you okay. do the transition and like we should stop doing this. That's just because <laughs> if I don't stop, you guys won't stop me. Right on, Squeeze. You got to rub those nips. Got to rub them. No, I think he's got talking to. about the wallet stuff. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, he's definitely not the wallet stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Could have a dashboard where a user can select info that populates the screen. Would like that to lower anxiety. Ah, uh, yes, the old A word here in 2022. It's a good idea, Corey. Look, you got Corey. Corey did the. Corey did the. Hmm, he did the. Oh, I'm 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 logging into hmm. something. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. oh, have a dashboard go. where a user can select info that populates the screen. What info? What do you mean? He's he doesn't want to look at the value. Huh? Like, yeah, he's not, he's, you know, he doesn't want to look at the value of his wallet. He just wants to look at certain information while uh, he's so using the like, tokens. You, yeah. can, you can modify or customize the inf- information you're seeing from the base wallet view. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I think eventually, I mean, if we build things the way we want to, which is out in the open and help people um like teach people how to contribute then things like that are going to be done by community members if they want to yeah i've got a question what if always baffled Mm. yeah i was just just value include other information you know this space could really use like um merging of people who can you know build games like you know there are developers doing you know pay to earn games right now um, but I think the whole process of like teaching, reteaching people how to get out of the playing the lottery mindset would benefit from having like game devs who have the experience of getting people addicted to like a certain type of like role playing game. Cause then you could look at, you know, NFTs as access control, like, like what Corey's saying. And I mean, those people are used to having items in their game that, you know, when you right click on the description of the item, it says exactly, you know, what it's used for, used to unlock this treasure chest, used to participate in this community event, used to get these re- uh, rewards, you know, every so often. And then there's like a timer associated with it. I just think that that system needs to exist with NFTs like yesterday. I think it will. Um, I, I definitely think it. It will exist. I just don't think that. I think the harder it is to define a need for something, the harder it is for something to 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 anchor down and and actually become popular. Right. So since game gaming is popular, gaming is more popular than it's ever been. In fact, like it's gonna keep I see, on getting bigger. I see. You know, I see my young cousins and nephews. I see pe- like young people like. Getting married on games, meeting a girl, playing video games with her. Man, I'm jealous because like I I'll never be able to play video games with my girl like that. Like we're not it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna be reality. Like even like the older you get, the the stupider games are for for most people. Um, but gaming, I mean, I I just never see gaming becoming so popular where it's easy to define the need. Why are we looking at your old mining rig? 
get to it. Keep going. We'll get to it. Keep going. Why are we, you know, as sorry, but like I never see gaming getting so popular that it it has is a need for someone to have something in their life for gaming. And maybe I'm wrong. I hope maybe I'm wrong. Like we've got kids now, the age of three, playing Roblox. And games are a phenomenally large part of their life. We got kids that are eight making livings off of Roblox. So, um, you know, I'm probably wrong. But Jesse, how do you see like elaborate? I know there's a need there, but at what point does gaming need to be popularity wise for it to be an easy sell to have that NFT structure to have that? I, I think well what I'm what I'm getting at is like the whole like invest in a token or you know gamble on a token whatever word you want to use and then um that whole gambling behavior it's it's addicting and an it takes another investor. strong it needs it takes another strong behavior to co-opt it right which plays mm-hmm. upon like similar mechanisms of the way you know everybody acts because if you're trying to move masses you have to do something that everybody knows like intuitively and something that's approachable Mm -hmm. and i i just think that video games you know farmville stuff like we're seeing it in axie infinity like it's if if there's money depending on the ease of which the money is accessible you can pull a large segment of crypto users away from the initial use case which is basically it's speculate and potentially get more money but I, I don't yeah. think you're going to get people who I don't think you're going to move the masses with, with any behavior that isn't addictive. So you can move them, but you have to like move them using an addictive behavior and try and educate them. Oh, Otherwise I don't think they would. I mean, yeah, it is. Yeah. I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah. But I don't like having to like, reach for manipulation tactics of human human physiology to get somebody to participate in a behavior that's good for them. I Potentially mean, good like, for them, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like conflicting ideals, right? I'm manipulating someone yeah. into doing something that I think is better for them. Well, but here's the thing, like, don't your parents, when you're a little kid, don't they tell you exactly what's going on until you figure it out? I'm an adult. Yeah. <laughs> Other people are adults. It's necessary for kids who don't have developed brains. Yeah, I just well, think that's how many. What's the user base of crypto? Right, there, there are kids as young as you know teenagers, like young teens, interacting with crypto. Yeah, it's gonna be weird. I don't know what I have a young son, almost two, and mm-hmm. hold up, that is a good. Sorry, I don't know what world he's gonna grow up in, in terms of influences that I'm gonna have to. I can't shield him from things, but like he may be a millionaire or multimillionaire before I am because. He's participating in these all these weird things, diving into the internet, doing stuff that I am like, what are you doing? And it's like, I made a bunch of money playing this stupid game, and now uh, I bought a student house that. Like, that happens now with a lot of gamers or, you know what I mean? Like, influencers or influencers. Yeah. Now it's, I would say, by the way, we're on the grand scheme guys. of things, incredibly detrimental to the development of that human being. Like no, no, no teenager is ready for the onslaught of, of opinions of the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Teenagers aren't ready for a lot of shit, but they think they are. Then they get punched in the face with reality. You kind of talked about this though, right? Like, no, um, hold on. And, and hashing it out. Mm-hmm. You want to go? 
I was just going to say, you said, I feel uncomfortable manipulating people into doing things that are good for them. But why? But I think are good for them, right? Like I'd say that's, 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 that's me pushing my ideology on someone else. Yeah, but that, I, I just call that good leadership. Sure. Right? If you know something, I don't want to have to manipulate them through like dopamine hits mm-hmm. in order to get them to do something that they don't necessarily want to do, but it feels good. Like addiction, using addiction like as a tool to do something is a terrible idea. I love this conversation. Why? Why is it? Why do you, why does that make you feel bad? Because it's using, it's, it's, it's short circuiting someone's ability to make decisions for themselves. No, 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 that's not true. You're dog feeding them into being able to think for themselves. At some point you'll be like, this system sure, is based we can, on. We can call it that. But if you're using mm-hmm. something that hinders someone's ability to make decisions in order mm-hmm. to push them in a given direction, mm-hmm. then you are manipulating them. I mean, the society we live in is all manipulated, right? Sure. Does it make it good or right? No, but it gives but us a starting point, right? It's a launching point. I like it. Well, listen, Corey, like how else do you give somebody a basis from which to understand the space at? They'll get forever stuck in buying coins and buying NFTs. Oh, I mean, I'm money. saying I don't understand there's value and it works. And I, I yeah. may have to capitulate at some point. Doesn't mean yeah. I have to like it. Sure, sure. But like, what are what are the alternatives? Like, we're trying to move masses. We're not trying to move intellectual people like that are like, I want people to have options when they get fed up with something. I would like to educate them. But they won't want to get the options. Yeah. And they don't have to do them. I don't I don't need to be uber rich, successful where everyone does what I think they should do. That's not the world I'm trying to create. Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm like saying no, unstoppable growth, and I've I've tricked everyone doing it because it's so fucking addictive. Like that's not what I'm looking no, for. No, no, no. Look, look. It's like this. It's like literacy I'm rates. Saying. If they can't read, right, you can't understand any of the any of the counter information that you're getting fed because you don't know how to read. If somebody tells you like you know the 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 sky is blue, you can you know innately you have you have typically unless you're colorblind you can look up and see that the sky is somewhat blue right when Mm -hmm. when you can't see the sky for what it is you have no no basis to to understand whether or not you're trusting exactly and i think everybody when you trust trust someone would you like to understand and you have the ability to understand it being manipulated would you like to then trust somebody and then later find out that you were manipulated into something I think if it's as opposed if, to being explained or trying to be educated so that you understand things and you can make a decision for yourself. But I don't think it would that, be... nobody's taking that that um, that route. The only people who are taking that route are two. Every far single in social between. app that exists today. I think is taking I think that route. that's a that's hmm. gotten into the like make money for the shareholders conversation, yeah. but. How money is made is what I'm saying is that if you know if you believe something in your I think uh, we're getting really philosophical, but are we supposed to touch the interview at some point? Uh uh, pretty sure we're just just saying like that's the interview, go watch it. It's it's gonna be something we can can do whatever we want, Corey. Yeah, we have the power. Yeah. (laughs) Um now we'll do the interview, we'll do the interview completely separately. We'll just do a round table. This is the round table that's associated. 
with the Dude. Keystone Wallet interview. Go Dude. watch that if you want to listen to us rant. Welcome back for another Bitcoin podcast interview. Today we had, I'm, I'm going to butcher your name, Vishen Liu. Yes. All right. How about that? With Keystone, talking about a uh, new concept, well, a, let's say an, an older concept, but new implementation of uh, a hardware wallet for both multi chain and Bitcoin only, depending upon what you want. Um, why don't you, you've got quite a bit of a story on how you came to the company Keystone and the history behind the evolution of this hardware wallet. Why don't you go ahead and give us, give our audience an introduction to who you are and, and uh, kind of the, the short story of, of how Keystone came to be what it is. Okay, cool. Uh, first, I want to say thank you for having me, Patty. Uh, it's a great honor to be here to share about our story and also the product with your audience. And uh, my name is Li Xing. I'm the CEO of Keystone Hardware Wallet. And uh, personally, I'm uh, personally the first time I know Bitcoin was back then, uh, back in 20, uh, 2009. And uh, I became a Bitcoiner in 2013. Yes, that's our product. Yes, I became a Bitcoiner in Bitcoin at 13. And uh, in Bitcoin, uh, in 20, uh, sorry, I became a Bitcoiner in 2013. And uh, in 2017, uh, I was incubated by a Bitcoin OG in China to start the company Keystone to make our hardware wallet. And uh, so uh, we started at the end of uh, 2017 and we launched our first generation in 2018. Uh, at that time, uh, our first generation was targeting. Uh, so at that time, I did a lot of research uh, because we're in China and uh, we were incubated by the Bitcoin OG in China and uh, he was very well connected in the miners community in China. So at that time, I interviewed a lot of miners in China uh, to ask them, like, uh, I think a typical question I ask them is that, what's the most anxious time when you're using a ledger? And uh, their answers were pretty aligned. They, they, were, they, they told me that the most anxious time was when they plug their ledger into the laptop. Because when you're not using it, it, you can make sure that you're you're pretty sure that it's an offline device. But when you connect the ledger into a laptop, uh, it means that your ledger is connected to an online environment, which is a much bigger attack surface than just keep it off, keep it offline. So we came up with the idea that maybe we should uh, make a product which is 100% air gapped, which means it doesn't connect to your laptop or to your mobile phone. And then we came up with the idea of the QR code. So we think that we should use QR code to transmit the unsigned and the signed information between your uh, software wallet and your hardware wallet, just like your between your Ledger Live and the Ledger. So uh, with this idea, uh, another big ad advantage of QR code was that uh, the compatibility is much better than USB. So I think you guys have suffered from the connection issues between mm -hmm. your your ledger and your MetaMask. Yes, it's so terrible. And also QR code is more cross-platform compatible, which means uh, you can use that with your MacBook as well as your mobile phone. So we think uh, at that time, the first idea came into our mind is that QR code is a better solution than USB, no matter from the transparency, security, compatibility, everything. So that's the first idea. 
but for the but for the ge first generation, we made a huge mistake, which is uh, we were targeting the miners in China. So uh, for those people, for the miners, I'm not sure you guys are familiar with the Bitcoin miners in China. Uh, they work in the most isolated places in China, like Sichuan and Xinjiang province, to get the cheapest electricity. Uh, and they were at the most uh, like extreme environments. Uh, so when I was interviewing with them, another big pain point for them is that uh, they want a product which is waterproof and drop resistant to survive in those extreme mm -hmm. environments. So that's why we make the first generation with a uh, full aluminum body. And also it comes with a very chunky uh, metal box, which means you can put your uh, hardware wallet into that box. And I even drove my car over that box and the product can survive that. So we make a really like extreme and a tough hardware wallet. But the result is that the price was so high, was too high for uh, normal for a normal uh, Bitcoiner. So the price was around 500 bucks. That's too much for a normal Bitcoiner. And uh, then we launched our second generation. We uh, took off all the premium features like waterproof, dropper resistant, and uh, we make a much more uh, like um, friendly version, which is around the price from 100 to 200 bucks. And uh, uh, also, as I may personally, I'm a Bitcoiner. So when we launched the product, we were mostly targeting the Bitcoin maxis uh, in the United States as well as in Europe. And um, we did some really, um, uh, really strong features like multi-signature for Bitcoin. Actually, we were doing even better uh, Bitcoin multi-signature scheme than Ledger and the Trezor. So at that time, uh, code card and our product were considered as the most robust solution for Bitcoin Maxis to set up their um, Bitcoin multi-sig uh, scheme. So uh, that's how we get into Bitcoin community at that time. And also we launched a lot of features like uh, you can roll your dice to get your recovery freeze because those Bitcoiner Maxis, they, they don't trust our product to generate the entropy as well as the seed freeze for them. So mm -hmm. they ask us, can you do the, like, can I roll my dice and uh, type in the result of the dice rolling and you give me your seed freeze, this kind of stuff. So we delivered a lot of this, this, these are kind of features. And also we implemented features like Shamir backup for your recovery freeze, which means you kind of like set up your multi-sig on your recovery freeze. You can do a three, two, five, uh, multi uh, three to five Shamir backup, which means you get five pieces and uh, either and you can use only three pieces to recover your recover your uh, private keys as well as your address. This means that you can put those five pieces in your five friends uh, places, and you don't need to worry about one of them to like um, do some bad stuff on your recovery phase. You don't need to worry about that. So we did a lot of this kind of very hardcore features for Bitcoin Maxis, and uh, they really love our product. And uh, actually we did that for almost uh, three years. Uh, in middle 2021, uh, we started to explore our adventure in Web3 community as well as Ethereum. So uh, in uh, middle, starting from middle 2021, 
uh, we launched some features like we integrated ENS. We were the first hardware wallet that can display your ENS address on your hardware wallet. And also we integrated with uh, Sushi Swap so that we can, uh, we can like uh, users can use our product directly with Sushi Swap. And also we integrated with uh, Yen and also integrated with Gnosis Safe. And here I also want to mention that another big thing we were doing is that we can decode your smart contract transaction, which means you can see all the transaction function calls uh, on your hardware wallet, which is uh, a, we were trying to fix the security hole of blind signing for Ethereum and Web3 users. So uh, we did some stuff uh, in the middle of 2021. And then around, uh, I don't remember, September or October, uh, MetaMask team came to us. We were kind of surprised that MetaMask team knew us even before we started to explore Web3. So they knew what we have done for Bitcoin community, and they knew we were a very hardcore hardware wallet, and they came to us to say, hey guys, maybe we can do an integration and to bring QR code signing to a bigger uh, community, uh, to a bigger audience in Web3 community through the MetaMask integration. So uh, then we started working on the integration. So uh, around uh, late December, uh, I think maybe uh, in the middle of December of last year, we launched our integration with uh, MetaMask. Uh, and also uh, we our, uh, our QR code protocol was totally open source. So uh, some other products, for example, uh, one of our friends who's in Switzerland, he's making a software wallet. He's making a iOS and Android app uh, that can turn your old mobile phone into an air-gapped signer uh, through QR code. So, mm -hmm. And also we launched an EIP. We launched the EIP 4527, which is the QR, QR protocol we defined for uh, the communication between your offline hardware wallet and your software wallet. And um, uh, right now we are working on MetaMask mobile integration. Uh, hopefully we can release that integration at the end of February or early March, uh, which will make our product the very first hardware wallet that integrate with uh, MetaMask mobile. And uh, we're also integrating with other product. And also we're talking to Solana Foundation and uh, Cosmos Avalanche uh, to support uh, this kind of non-EVM chains. I mean, for Avalanche, they have EVM and also non-EVM chains. Mm -hmm. So we are talking to those uh, foundations to support their non-EVM chains and also other software wallets. Mm, here, another big aspect of the product I want to share is that um, we want to make Keystone. Our position is a little bit different from Keys uh, from Ledger because Ledger is kind of making a world garden right now. So they tend to ask people, they tend to make people to use Ledger with their Ledger Live because um, then they can, yeah, then they can make more money. Just put it simple, they can make more money. They can uh, make more money on the Ledger Live with the swap uh, function and maybe other on-ramp and off-ramp features. But we are totally different. We are much more web to be. Uh, we just want to make a ultimate signer for our users. We want to make our product uh, compatible with, with as many software wallets as possible, which means uh, an ideal situation in our mind is that 
for example, Patty, you want to use some new software wallet, uh, but you're afraid that um, maybe you put your you put your recovery phase into that software wallet, it may be compromised. So you can, if we are integrated, you can just use Keystone with that software wallet and uh, to maximize the compatibility with the QR code. So this is something we're trying to achieve. We just want to be a pure ultimate signer for the community. We don't want to build a world garden like Ledger. So I think this is the ultimate difference between us. I think a fundamental difference uh, on the uh, mindset also, also as well as the strategy between our team and also Ledger. Yeah. Mm. Maybe that's too much information. You can just throw me any questions. Well, at least our audience has a, has a quality understanding of like where you came from, where you are, where you're going. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Yeah. By the way, another thing I want to mention that uh, we are, we also, uh, we not only uh, did the EIP, uh, long, uh, released the EIP, we also joined another BIP, which is BIP 129, which is a BIP for Bitcoin Multisig. So we okay. also, co-drafted the BIP. So our team is pretty, I should say, our team is pretty hardcore and I'm, I'm very, very proud of the team. So, and we're open source. Our product is also open source. We also open source the firmware of the secure element, which is an industry first thing we have done. So yeah, I'm super proud of, of the team, of the, of the product. And maybe your audience didn't heard us before because we are not a marketing team. We don't. I'm the I'm the only guy in the team to do marketing. Actually, yeah, so I see you everywhere, but no one else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if I go, yeah, yeah. I've, I've gone in and looked into the repos for these EIPs and the kind of schematics for both QR and the like, like the Shamir secret um, sharing across seed phrases, things like that, just to kind yeah. of see where they came from, and they're all well done and and extensive. So it's, and I've had my experience with the Keystone itself has been great in terms of Thank like, you. the responsiveness, the, the flow of setting it up, things like that. And that's all been really straight. I, I started off with a Ledger Blue a long time ago, which is now a, oh, really? a, yeah. a, a like it was their touchscreen product and then basically abandoned. Yeah. And it's been, it's been a nightmare in terms of okay. usability. And okay. I'm happy to, like, what I'm curious about is what's, do you think you're going to be limited in how fast you can interact with uh, a software wallet through QR codes? Like mm -hmm. in terms of like, so the speed and say you have a large, a large contract interaction and that's going to, you can only encode so much information in a single QR code. So what you do for Keystone is you have a series of QR codes to, yes. to then um, allow for that much more information across between the software and, and, and the Keystone hardware wallet. Yes. Does that, yeah. do you think that's going to limit you in terms of how fast you can get something done? Okay. Okay. Uh, great question. So uh, I think we can, if we talk about speed of the UX, we should take the whole user flow into consideration, which means that uh, USB is faster than QR code for transferring those uh, unsigned and signed information. But first, but we are much quicker because we have fingerprint authentication, which means that you just tap your finger and then you can authorize your transaction. Unlike Ledger, you need to like 
tap those small buttons like it's, ten it's times. Annoying. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> annoying. And also the screen is very small. So if if you need to like because if you take the whole process of a signing job into consideration, you need to carefully verify all the information on the screen. And the ledger has the screen is so small, so it's <laughs> it's annoying. It's it's really annoying. But I should say that uh, QR code data transmission is slower than USB. But it it also has an upside. For example, its transparency, it's transparent, and it's cross form compa compatible, and also it's it's verifiable. We also release a open source uh, verifying tool for people to verify all the QR codes. So, uh, when making a product, it always comes with like com uh, always comes with uh, you need to yeah trade offs. You need to. I, I've, I've actually what, the process of uh, like trying this thing out. I would read. I would, I would scan the QR codes mm -hmm. as I was you know doing a transaction just to see like what information is being passed through. Yeah, that's, that's a that's a pretty nice feature of of being able to see exactly like what information is being passed from one thing to another as you go through the entire steps. Yeah, that, that, that's, why, that's why you can't offer that anywhere else. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, in some cases you don't want to, you know, just to speed things up, but like, say for like yeah. a grid, like a grid plus lattice one, it has a large mm -hmm. screen. Uh, it's, yeah. it's technically Wi-Fi and Wi-Fi or your, your local internet. Yeah. And you can, it's got a nice touch screen. It's not as responsive as yours because it's different hardware. Mm -hmm. uh, but you're never going to be able to see that communication interaction between unsigned and signed info. Yep. Yeah. I yeah. think that's an interesting, interesting concept. I'm, I'm curious to see if, do you, do you feel like, like QR codes will become the, the most used secure way for interacting with wallets in the future? Yes, of course. Actually, the whole team of Keystone is, are we are QR maximalists actually? <laughs> yeah, and uh, that, that's why we we one of the most important slogan of our product is you sign what you see. We feel that transparency is super important. That's why we make the product open source, and uh, that's why we do the QR code thing. We're trying to make everything as transparent as possible. Jess, you have anything? Yep. That noise. Oh, it's a vibration. Uh, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've only ever had experiences with treasures and ledgers, so I, I don't really have anything to say about Keystone. Uh, QR codes in terms of scanning transactions, I, I haven't seen what you've seen, Corey. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that seems interesting. So when you're saying that when you sign something, you can see all of the functions, like what does that look like? Also, like when you, so say for instance, like, You've you've recently integrated with MetaMask, um, yeah. So you can you can basically be on a DAP on your browser, mm. and that thing. So you'll do some contract interaction. Maybe you're playing with some DeFi stuff, whatever, and mm -hmm. you and you decide, and then your the DAP will craft a transaction for you and submit it to MetaMask. MetaMask will then, mm. you know, set the fees, do all the things MetaMask needs to do to like finalize mm -hmm. what the transaction looks like, and then it'll send it. And then, and then it'll start to uh, generate QR codes, which the keystone here will let me open it up here. You can have this little button, your own thing, yeah. little button here. We'll then scan the, the QR code that MetaMask will generate. 
and then it'll start that and it'll say like, all right, and then that transfers the unsigned transactions to the Keystone wallet here. And mm. it, what it does is instead of like showing you a bunch of hex data of this contract interaction, it'll mm -hmm. show you function calls and the parameters of those function calls. So you can verify that uh, what the, you can verify the transaction that the DAP crafted and MetaMask altered for fees. Yeah is what was sent to the hardware wallet so you know exactly what you're signing from the information on the hardware wallet mm -hmm. so basically so like, like software what is the sends the unsigned like? transaction and for, for yeah. almost all other hardware wallets it's incredibly difficult or impossible to decipher the information you're actually signing because it's still all hex yeah. data that's like yeah. for, for all the evm machines EVM-based uh, blockchains, it's this, it's it's the call data information, which is which is encoded in hex form. So it's you, you can't, mm. you don't know what it means. Yeah. So what the hardware wallet does is it takes that hex data and then de decodes it back into something you can read from a human form to say, like, mm. you know, this is a, a proven call or some function call in the contract with these um, parameters as what's being put into that function. So okay, yeah, that's what I'm that's what I want to do. I'll sign mm. that. And then it signs it and then sends it back to MetaMask via another series of QR codes. So you're so, so something that something that like the miners use, uh, Lucian or Lucian is that? Am I saying your name correctly? Yeah, Lucian, Lucian, Lucian. So, what kind of like I guess what's the what's the start to finish time of like a miner signing a transaction using QR codes versus using you know like Trezor and what you're saying, mashing the little tiny two buttons on the Trezor. Mm, I think it's much faster. It also because it also depends. For example, if you're using Ledger, and yeah. sometimes your USB connection were broken, and you need to replug in, and tap the tap your pin and open the Ethereum Ethereum app and try yeah. to connect again. So it, it's hard to say like the the the, the ratio between these two schemes, but I should say. When you use it, you will never go back to Ledger. Interesting. Yeah, As someone who has fumbled with yep. uh, device drivers on a myriad of operating systems between the the ridiculous number of hardware wallets that I have. Like I've 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 spent more time trying to troubleshoot connections to my hardware wallet than I have multi times over than I have actually signing mm -hmm. transactions and getting things done. Um, and what's interesting from your perspective, from like a development perspective, you don't have to give a shit about any of that stuff. Yeah. If you want someone to integrate what you're doing, they just need to make sure that they can send and receive transactions via the QR code protocol that you're, you, you're, you're standardizing. There's nothing else yep. to it. And yep. so you don't have to develop device drivers across you have to support all these different operating systems. The only thing you have to support is that one protocol. And then all of your development goes into the wallet itself and the software on, on the wallet. Is that is that basically where you spend all of your time? Yes, it's very developer friendly. You just follow the EIP and follow the specs to um, encode your information, encode your unsigned information into QR code or a series of QR codes. And then decode the information you get from the device. It's very simple. For for software developers, like wallet developers, um, 
I'm assuming you have SDKs or kind of like this protocol library in multiple um, languages. Is that is that true, or is it yeah. just all like where, where, Actually, where, where would a developer find how yeah. to integrate this into their wallet? Uh, actually, we are generating a JS uh, library first, and then we'll make it into languages. Right now, we right now the current status is we we only have the EIP to define the specs. But for SDK, we will starting with JS first, and then other languages. Mm -hmm. Just set a bunch of bounties and have other people do it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, great. That's a great idea. Yeah. And also another thing I want to mention is that because we have a um, big touch screen, right now we are releasing another feature which will show your NFT on your lock screen. Mm -hmm. So like you can get your NFT into your device and so you can make it very unique and very identical this this hardware wallet for a NFT, NFT owner. Yeah, so yeah. how does that work? Because like this thing is completely air-gapped. It's not on the internet. Yep. The only information that goes in and out of it is what when software sends something to it. So, yep. it, so it, it, when you look at your wallet, you don't see account balances. You don't see anything like that. You don't see nope. like, so like you're relying on something else to either send that information regularly to this, which doesn't happen, or yep. you're using some other software to do that for you. Let me, How do you yep. get an NFT on the device? Let, let, me, let, let me explain it. So... The workflow is like first you go to our website and on our website there's a specific page for you to connect your metamask and then our website can get your uh, address and then we use uh, OpenSea api to get your nft under that address and on the website you tap the nft you want to show on your keystone and then we turn that jpeg into a series of QR codes and then use your keystone to scan that QR code to get the NFT into your device. So th this is this is not an ideal solution because if you sell if you sell that uh, NFT, you can still see that NFT on your keystone. But we feel mm -hmm. it's okay. It's just a it's not a security feature, it's just a feature that field yeah customization feel that your keystone is your keystone because it shows your nft interesting when will that be available at the end of this month interesting. so you guys can't like you guys don't support like video and music you know nfts right because <laughs> <laughs> like i i, I don't know that like you are data like you know uh, you can maybe do a gif I have a crazy idea. Someone idea? told us that we should do augmented reality for the NFT stuff. On your How that's, that's quite a bit of on our of device. For example, because we device. have a camera and we have very mm -hmm. strong ca capacity for calculations and algorithms, we can do like when you use our camera to scan your NFT, then you can see like an animation or a like 3D model on your screen of Keystone. Yeah. So we can do this kind of stuff too. Yeah, so like diving into a little bit more on the, on the, the, so I have a Keystone Pro here. Talk, walk me through the hardware um, that allows for such a, 
larger amount of like a larger amount of computation because you have a secure element and then that is then built yeah. into something that does more computation that allows for things like potentially yeah. maybe some augmented reality later down the line like the secure element isn't doing that it's yeah. it's it's basically if i had to guess an android device with a secure element that's air gapped yes yes that's true that's true so you, Where... it gives you a lot of opportunity to upgrade the hardware specification for yes the software that's running all of this stuff yes uh, because because we we feel that for ledger their their mindset is like they turn a traditional banking like signing hardware into a hardware wallet we feel that it's way less it's it's not enough for the development of blockchain for example for ledger they only have 1.8 megabyte storage for Ledger Nano X, so they cannot put enough ABIs into the device to decode the DeFi transactions. But for us, we have a much bigger storage as well as we support micro SD card, which can be up to 512 gigabytes for you to put those data into the device to use those data to either decode your transaction or do other stuff. So overall, why we choose this solution is that we feel that Right now, the hardware structure of Ledger doesn't support the development of blockchain. That's why we do it. And uh, I think we can do many cool stuff later with this product, with the hardware structure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting that you can just like, I mean, all phones have a secure element. So you're able to basically root one and have a blank phone. You can turn it, you can, you can turn it into a Keystone product because everything is open source uh yes yes actually but the problem is that uh our open source code also include the code on the secure element yeah. so if, if you compile our code and you you cannot put that directly on a android yeah. phone you're gonna have some, so, you have some problems there <laughs> yeah yeah you have some problems there. but you can you can manipulate something and change some of our code and to remove the secure element part and some part some weird person is going to get into that and do it yeah <laughs> yeah maybe 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 but i should also mention that because we removed the we even removed the usb port of the device so it still has a smaller attack surface compared to a normal old android phone and also we have other features like self-destruct mechanism which means if you yeah if you like disassemble the device and try to hack the circuit board something like this we can detect the disassembling of the device and to erase the recovery or erase the private keys. Yeah, that happens often for um, I used to work in like critical infrastructure security and a lot of the devices on networks or SCADA devices or all, all the little things that have proprietary shells around them. Yes, are typically like standard hardware. And so the moment you open up the like the shell of the device you yes. then are exposed to a myriad of different io options you know serial usb whatever that just aren't on the shell and yep. so uh like what you've done with this is not only removed all of the possibilities of plugging a cable into this thing but um made made sure that if someone tried to open this thing it would erase yep. anything that's 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 secret as well if there yes. if, if if the board inside had a way to interact with it that it's not being exposed here other than your sd card so how does yes. that actually work 
when, how does it detect that the, uh, the it's electronic been... mesh? It's basically when that mesh yes. is compromised, is it, it? it then yes. triggers a, 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 a kill switch. Yes. Actually, this is very mature in traditional banking equipment. So we're not inventing it. We just copied that technology and that idea from traditional banking equipment. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah. Grid Plus has one. Most, most secure devices that um, need to offer a certain level of security will have these tamper-resistant meshes. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Security is a like is There's a lot of paranoid wonderful. people out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, that's all the questions I have. Is there anything else that you would have liked? I mean, Jesse, do you have anything? Uh, I really want to play with one, but uh, yeah, just curious. I don't really have any questions right now. Um, probably just need to buy one, see what it's like. Yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe I can share a like specific coupon code for your audiences. Ooh, like that. That'd be nice. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Okay, well, then we'll we'll get that from you after the show and put it in the description of, of, of this course. episode so that um, anybody who watches this and wants to try and get one will can just use that code to get some type of discount or something. Yes, of course. Great. Uh, is there any other questions that you would have liked us to ask you that we didn't? Um, I think that's pretty much everything. And... Uh, uh, I, I also want to mention that if there are any people working for DeFi projects and also working for software wallets uh, in your audiences, uh, you guys can just ping me on Twitter DM. Uh, my Twitter handle is Bitcoin Lixin, uh, Bitcoin L-I-X-I-N. Uh, you can DM me and we can do partnerships. We can put your, if you are DeFi projects or NFT projects, we can put your APIs into our device and we can decode the transaction for users and to make people uh, more secure for people's signing. Uh, and also after we can show NFT on our device, we can also do partnerships for NFT projects. We can, uh, yeah, we can do very cool stuff. And if you are a software wallet, we are totally open to share our knowledge and share our device to you to do integrations with our product. And uh, we, we, we are, huge lovers for collaboration integrations yeah just just dm me on twitter yeah i think that's the last thing i want to say yeah from my experience you're very responsive on twitter <laughs> i don't think i've ever messaged you and you not messaged me back very quickly <laughs> yeah you're like the vip on my dm list oh don't go too far <laughs> <laughs> all right Lucien, it was great uh, chatting with you and uh wish you all the luck for the development of keystone i'll be using mine quite a bit thank you Thanks thank you so on. much yeah thank you too squizzy just said something hardcore hey take wordle add nfts you got yourself a billion dollar id billion dollar mm. idea all right so how does mm. the nft work into that i don't fucking know i'm not a scientist i'm just <laughs> playing i guess you just like play wordle get your nft at the end of playing wordle you got it every day okay what do you um, do with you, that? you stake it and for what for other for wordle dollars see that's that's what i'm talking about Corey. that's the only behavior like like people understand behavior that's super simple and then that's what they that's all they know and all they care to know and that's like bad they won't go after no, the education that it's you not out. bad guys it's just human nature we always try to distill things down to their simplest form 
We don't try to build complexity onto our lives. Nobody does that except for young people. Here's, here's what I'm getting at. Like, you are going to become a bricklayer. You're going to buy into crypto at the top and you're going to sell at the bottom if you don't understand this space, right? If you're just somebody who's gambling on crypto, as soon as the price goes down, you're going to sell, right? Yeah, you see the, you see the data. So that's why I'm saying, like, if you're trying to be inclusive of everybody, you need to get everybody to understand what exactly they're putting their money into. Otherwise, you're just going to have, you're, you're going to make money off of people who you shouldn't be making money off of. I'll put it that way. So using some sort of like addictive behavior mechanism to get people to do what's best for them because you don't want to like essentially take money from people who are gambling and shouldn't be gambling. Like the look, like, you know, look at the people who, you know, buy lottery tickets. Typically it's lowest socioeconomic people like that. Those are the kind of like people who are buying and flipping these NFTs and trying to. So if you don't teach them, you're, you're literally preying on them. Teaching is different than manipulating. This goes into the conversation I say about like what the, the responsibility of DAP developers or any developer in this use. Right. Okay. No, it's not. Give people options, as many options as you possibly can, so they can take responsibility in their own hands when they want to. But set the defaults that you think are appropriate for them. So that way, it should be a seamless interaction from the get-go. But when those things aren't appropriate for that individual in their own circumstance, they're able to change things if they want to. And so, okay, you're, so let you're, me ask you you're influencing them by setting defaults based on what you think is appropriate. But there's a default gas fee for MetaMask, but people are still paying hundreds of dollars for, you know, transactions on for like to, to mint an NFT that they have no business trying to mint because it's not going to. Well, there's like, always going to be people who make stupid ass decisions. You can't stop that. You're never going to stop that. Ever. I'm trying to save the dumb people. Dumb people will make dumb decisions. And by, by dumb, I mean people who are ignorant of the situation they're in and yet make <laughs> and make life-changing, life-changing decisions despite that, right? They're dumb not, people are dumb. They're talking they're about going away. <laughs> you can't fix stupid. You can do your best to help them make better decisions along the way. But Look. I'm against censoring them from making those decisions i don't want to I make know. decisions on behalf of people i want to give I them need... the appropriate information this, to make the decision is... at the time so look, this is the only up, reason i they fuck up yeah this it's is the only no reason mystery. i push back on the idea so hard is because the only people who are able to take advantage of the space are really educated people who who see who who have like a background because of their upbringing to see beyond the initial value of speculative value and what i'm saying is rich educated people are able to take advantage of this space in a way that some dude who you tell about crypto on you know on the street is just going to be like oh so i buy this for five bucks and i can flip it for twenty dollars like in, in a day like that's just a different mentality and a different yeah, but you're not talking about situations that exist they, these situations exist everywhere even outside of crypto hell there's, there's somebody right now who just picked up a bunch of shit out of a dumpster who's going to drive across town and sell it for a little bit more than he picked it up for 
just a scalpers. little bit more. Right? Look, look like, at scalpers in the, in the in the you know electronic supply chain right now. Kill yeah, it. they're like you know, like the people look for those opportunities, and that's the type of person we talk about. I think like, like the lottery. The lottery is an example of this. Like there's there's the, the casinos as a business is an example of this. Like their whole business model is taking in, taking money from people who shouldn't be spending it. Right. Man, I just like I'm that's not saying but the interesting yeah. thing here I, is that like what I do and what and what uh, we do, at least in status as a business, we don't profit from people making bad decisions. When we give people options to make bad decisions, we don't profit from that. So there's no benefit for us to try and push yeah. them into those bad decisions. Most of them, exactly. what we try and do is give people the right information to make good decisions. And if they don't, then they're fucking stupid. That's their fault. No. They have no we have no responsibility for that. If you want a case study and a place to go that is pushing you to make the wrong decisions, spend about three days in Las Vegas. Because, man, hmm. let me tell you something. Jesus. I don't even know how it's much alcohol. It's, it's like when you're up, they bring you more drink. Like I was like having a good time. And then I looked down and I was like, why do I have three drinks now? What? I just have one drink. And it was almost gone. <laughs> yeah. And then the way the waitress is like, do you need some more honey? I'm like, you just brought me three drinks. Like, yeah, no, it's not okay. like the like low <laughs> low bet tables are like low light and they smell like shit. And you walk by like the high bet tables and it's like smells good and they got food and service all the time. Oh geez, man, this is it's, it's dangerous. But what I was gonna get to is like simplicity, man. Is that one, Jesse, altruism is a beautiful trait, but nobody has it. They only say they do. And then um like and I guess the universe decided I wasn't going to be a good teacher because I used to do things in my head. And now I'm so far removed from teaching. I can say stuff like this. But when I started a school year, when I had a new class, I only had three types of students. I had great students, middle of the road students, and they're not going to make it. Right. And I would make that assessment like within the first week. If they were asking me questions like of shit they should have learned four years ago, I would just be like, look, you're not going to make it. Right. I'm going to. I'm going to do my best. No, in my head, I knew it was going to work. Like if we're in like senior level algebra and you're asking me how to divide, you're not going to make it. You're not. Well, that's the thing. Like, like, and so they're not in (laughs) academia, but they may make it, you know, in life. But what I, of course, I'm just, what I'm, I'm saying in the context of my class and right. And if we don't like, like there's people that are going to get into crypto that are going to swim, swim fine in it. Right. Most people that get into crypto are going to end up working in crypto for someone who swims fine in crypto. And then there's going to be people, like you said, that are like, oh, man, I was told if I bought, you know, poppycock zebras, I'd be a millionaire the next the next day. And now I'm sitting on 15,000 poppycock zebras. zebras. That's a good name for an NFT collection. There you go. I can do this shit all day. And I, I don't even I don't even I don't even need drugs. I can do this shit all day. Right now I'm sitting on 800 poppycock zebras and 200, um, you know, professional penguins and I can't sell them. And I spent a lot of money on this and now I don't have any more money. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you're the you're not going to make it. You're not you're not going to make it. You need to you need to go outside of crypto and live your life. Right, like it's it's, I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just like that. It's not crypto that's the problem. That's just decision making. It's a person. Yeah, hmm. people do that all the time. Say, oh shit! Yeah, I thought straws were going to be like super in demand. I bought I bought a warehouse full of straws. Now I can't sell them. 
What do I do? Luciano like, said, you should fucking strong, dude. <laughs> Luciano hit us with the Godzilla, let them fight. No, let them, let them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let, let Darwinism do its thing. No, it's but the here's the thing. Line. That's what government is supposed to do, right? They're supposed to protect the citizens, even though the citizens don't know what's best for them, right? Uh, thanks for protecting me from so much money that I could have been making over the uh, years, U.S. government. Well, I appreciate all that. <laughs> well, you know, they got to protect the people that are, you know, up top. They got to stay wealthy, bro. Because they've no, I'm serious. Like wealthy people's argument is, if uh-huh. I'm not wealthy, the country is going to degrade. So I have a right to be wealthy. So you have to protect that. Like this whole like companies, like oh, this is the thing that just baffles me about some of these super large companies on the planet is that when did it become your right to profit? When did it become your right? To make that is what they say, right? They say right to profit. Yeah, like they're like, oh well, now that my profit is taking a chunk, I need for the people to bail me out because I have a right to make that much money, and that should be how much money money I make. And I'm like, you fucking bitch, like who? No, that's not how it works. If I make a widget, it's my job to go out there and sell the widget. However much money I make off of the widget is on me. It's not up to me to bail you out. Hmm. You grew, you grew up in clean, not DC. That's a very different mentality. It's the so people you're talking about come from a, come from a life of privilege. You're coming, yeah, like, you're coming, about, coming from a life of grind. These billionaires literally think that we owe it to them that we exist. Like it's 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 so fucking arrogant. But anyways, I don't want to go off on it. Well, I think we've we've gone on too many tangents. But I want to start wrapping it up. Yeah, crypto crypto takes you places. And listen to me, when it comes to those three categories that I described, the swimmers, the ones that work for the swimmers and they're not going to make it, uh, you're probably going to find them all in the Bitcoin podcast Slack, right? If you go to the Bitcoin podcast, you can join the Slack and you can be a part of the conversations. They're not going to make it are quiet. They don't say much. And then when they do, they're like, ooh, they're not going to make it. Right. The people. <laughs> the people suck, by the way. What do you mean? I got a good background. I got, I got, I got what are you talking about? I got that sex Indian <laughs> back there looking down on me, oh, wishing me well. Mean? This is my normal Here. background. Is that is that the virtual one or the real one? I don't know. It's a virtual one. one. I can see the outline of your chair. It's so weird. Yeah, look at his hair. <laughs> but Corey, when you left for a second, I couldn't tell if Jesse was wearing a jacket or a black robe. And really, honestly, I would have rather it be a black robe because that is some ball shit to show to. I'm wearing pickle Rick pants right now. Pickle Rick. Um, check check these out. Those are Christmas gear. Uh, you can put them uh, on the screen if they're I green. They're not going to show anything. Oh hell yeah, dude! Oh, nice. Pickle Rick. Rick and Morty. Yeah. Rick. 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 That's a sound. Well, I don't wear regular pants because uh, I sit in an office all day in my house. <laughs> Join the Slack. <clears throat> now our Slack is becoming. Um, it is a treasure trove of information. A great community. Mm-hmm. This is what I do need to say because we were recently called out. <clears throat> Listen, we're the kind of community to that. If you think you're right, explain why you think you're right, and please put some sort of evidence behind it. Right. If you're just making like a pie in the sky guess at something, then make sure everybody knows that you're just proselyt proselyt. What's that word you use, Corey? Proselytizing. Proselytizing. Good word. Everyone should bring it into right? the vernacular, which is another good word. 
Yes, proselytize. Make sure everybody knows. Like I do it all the time. I'll hop in. I'll say, "Hey, Negro Domus enters the chat. Negro Domus is my character where I make outlandish predictions that if I say it enough and for long enough, well, that's the new uh, icon that we use now, which kind of makes me feel like an X Man, but I'm okay. Uh, <laughs> and I just make outlandish predictions about where I think crypto is going to go. If you say it enough and for long enough, and you end up being right, hey, whatever. You know, even a clock. No, you only just highlight all the times you were right and never talk about the times you were wrong. Absolutely. And who wouldn't do that? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like uh, Crystal Pepsi is making a comeback. Mark my words. Crystal Pepsi? (laughs) Do you remember Crystal Pepsi? Pepsi. Was that clear Pepsi? No, it's Crystal Pepsi. Yeah. Yeah. It tasted like Pepsi, but it was clear. Dude, that that and Surge. God. Yellow nine, so the yellow nine rumor ruined surge. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, but anyways, Slack, right? Resolution I was making a little PSA hand gestures. Right. PSA about Slack is there's no sense in being uh, aggress overly aggressive about what you think you're right about because you know history is full of people who think they're right about shit and end up being wrong, right? It is what it is. It's all about consensus around an agreement, and that's the human experience, right? So don't be a fucking dick. Point blank, period. All right. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. And, you know, I owe it to that community that we're building at a a moderate rate and it's going to get big enough to where if you're being a dick, I'm just going to pause your ability to be a dick for a while. I'm going to say, hey, get your shit together, because that's not how humans talk to each other that have a thinking brain. Right. Humans that talk to each other that have a thinking brain don't go around beating their chest on the Internet. Thinking brain. so we'll say that. But join the Slack. It's good people. Talk about crypto all day, every day. Uh, Michael has been trying to run an avalanche node for 17 years, I believe. And he's coming, <laughs> he's coming on the last few days of running it's an, an archive archival node. Give him credit. It's an archival <laughs> node. He's, that dude is going to be retired. Well, well, he's going to be retired by the time they, that. Or broke. Who knows? Yeah. Anyways, um, we got other things that we do. Um, <clears throat> do we have a dad Dow image? Because we haven't plugged what we do. And you know what? We can be good about that. So dad Dow, go to daddow.org. Uh, dad Dow. I think there's a banner for it. Oh, I'm getting that remix. Trying to. Oh, yeah. We should talk to we should talk to our friends to see if we can make that connection. Oh, that would be dope. D, get it done. You want to be businessman? Businessman that up. The fuck are you talking about? Dad Dow. What's the second? Yeah. Yep. Tad Oh, fuck. That means I got to talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get it. Get it. So we can put it on the webpage. That'd be dope. Uh, Dad is a organized, distributed uh, autonomy that Jesse <laughs> and myself and Michael Trojan are building. Right. The reason I say it in that order is because I think, Corey, you missed that conversation. But I feel like Dow is not prioritizing what happens first. I feel like first you create the organization and then you decide how distributed it needs to be. And then you develop the autonomy for it. Right. And I don't think it can happen any other way. I think that's the natural, logical way because you can distribute a bunch of shit. I could go around town right now and put dollar bills fucking everywhere, but I can't. uh, There's no autonomy around how those dollar bills are going to be spent. And it it, it damn sure won't be organized. Right. So I feel like you have to organize, like decide what your organization is, how it's going to be organized. Then 
you distribute it accordingly. How distributed does it need to be? How does that distribution need to work? And then you provide autonomy to make it easier on everyone, right? So you go to daddow.org, you go into the Discord, where you'll find Jesse, Michael, and myself, and a bunch of people who are essentially wallflowers right now. Yeah, I'm calling you out. You don't talk. You don't do anything. You just <laughs> sit in there and wait for us to wave at you with emojis, right? We need your input. We're just waiting for the men. When I say weak ass, you say bitch. Weak ass bitch. Weak ass bitch. Like, that's what y'all are being right now. Like, we need dads to contribute. Jesse has such a vision for this. And dads work hard like i don't know for you guys out there that don't have good dads, dads. I apologize. good dads right? work hard yeah i apologize there's a lot Maybe of bad dads out there there's a lot of bad dads <laughs> out there but good dads work fucking hard there's if i remember anything about growing up with my pops this motherfucker was working on some shit at all times working cleaning yelling like that was the th- <laughs> like that's the three things of a good dad. So we we want your input and we're trying to structure it in such a way that if you're not going to be a part of the community, you're not going to contribute and you just can't be a dad. Right. You got to work hard. What you put into something is what you get out of it. All these other DAOs around here that are like, oh, yeah, you know, you put in this and it's going to I'm telling you that there's like probably five people benefiting from that DAO. Top tops. Everyone else is just riding coattails and getting sprinkles of value. That's not what we're trying to build. This is going to be built on Algorand, and then we'll look at other things. But we're trying to actually build a functional DAO, something that can be copied and pasted. And Jesse, I believe you're working on this. You're working on an ASA standard, right? We're going to get an ASA standard here submitted soon. Yep, that's right. We're changing shit. We're changing the fucking game. So join Dad Dow. All right. That's enough of a self-plug. And let's go into some other things. Rap, rapidity rap. Riggity rap on your podcast app if you like what you heard. And we know it's a lot of you liking what you hear, damn it. I have the data. Like, you can't hide the men lie, women lie. People that haven't quite descended, decided on whether they're men or women lie. But numbers do not lie. Okay, we know you're listening. We know you love it. Leave us a review. Tell us why. Um, Make sure it's a good review. If it's a bad one, you can politely go F off. Like, why would you do that to somebody? We're not going into your life critiquing the random shit that you do. So don't do it to us. Only leave us good reviews. What's wrong with you? All right. What's the next video? You can become a patron. Uh, Go to patreon.com. Search for the Bitcoin podcast. Um, You know. Oh, follow us on YouTube. We never really hit a thousand subscribers. We're supposed to give out a hundred bags of Cheetos when we hit a thousand subscribers, but we're like, you know, 40% there. So if you want to, we got a grip. Should that, that transition into hashing it out since we're we're rebranding into hashing it out over time? Oh my God. They look so fucking good, bro. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to make that deal. We're not going to hit a thousand before we hit episode four. We're not. We're not. So we should just carry it over. We'll carry it over. In the first person, when we hit a thousand subscribers, thousand, thousand, yeah, thousand this subscribers for hashing it out. Mm-hmm. One person is getting a hundred bags of flaming hot cheetos, dude. Whether you want cheetos. them or not, don't eat. Don't eat like. Don't eat all of them. It should last though. It should last a long time. And if you're don't over worry. the age of thirty-five, they're not going to go bad. <laughs> this is just. This is a PSA warning to anyone over the age of thirty-five. 
you can eat one handful of flaming hot Cheetos a day. If you eat two Dude, handfuls, the amount of flaming Cheetos that flaming used to be able to eat versus we're gonna eat now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Drastic. Trust me, nothing is worse than a flaming hot butthole. Drastic is All the right. only word for it. Jesse, you're sneaking under the radar. Yeah, hey, you're getting there. You're, you're there. coming up on it. <laughs> let me tell you something. <laughs> you know, some years go by here. You try to take on a whole bag of flaming hot Cheetos, you're gonna have a flaming hot bad at time. You're gonna have a real bad oh. time. All right. Um, what did the list? Oh, chicken. We pumping chicken? No, we're not. Why are we? Chicken. What's that on there? We don't pump chicken. Um. Shout out to Jason Derulo. I appreciate you fighting somebody in that hotel lobby to try and get your street cred. But at the end of the day, you sing happy music for women. So stop doing dance. that. I do dance. Yeah, you can dance and you sing for women. So stop. All right. Uh, hold up. Wait, switch back and guy. forth. Switch back and forth on Jason. Do it real fast. Jason Derulo, Paul Rudd. Holy Why? shit. Why? It's stupid. They don't look alike. I don't know. I, f- I feel like. I don't know. My my eyes are telling me that they it do. It might be like similar. a good like buddy cop movie. I could see a Jason Derulo, Paul Rudd movie happen. A buddy cop into that. Okay, but they uh, look alike. Wow. My eyes are telling me they oh. look alike. Uh, shout out to Paul Rudd. I mean, Time look at us now. Get your eyes checked. <laughs> shout out to Nick Cannon, who is telling the world that if you try hard enough. You can have as many babies as you want. This man is getting women pregnant left with eyes. He's like zapping pregnancies into women. I think he's on child eight and he's like, yeah, I'm going to have more. I'm just going to have as many babies as I can. What's the word for have. that? Virile. Yeah. Virile. Virile. Yeah. This guy. He's, he's Nick, got, he's got what, the, what the young kids called spunk. <laughs> hey, <laughs> let me tell you something. Last name ain't Cannon for no reason because he is firing shots. <laughs> he is firing shots left and right, man. Oh, shout out God. to Nick Cannon. Um, shout out to Pew. I believe her name is P U G H. She is bootleg Black Widow, and uh, she is a great actress. Ah. Uh, I mean, it looks Tell like a chick from the fifth element, but it's definitely not. Doja Cat. Doja Cat. <laughs> right? That is Doja Cat. Yeah. Shout out to Doja Cat. Uh, she's a woman. Ah, here we go. My favorite shout out of the uh I miss show. long neck you know. wide, wide, spot, wide face. Long neck, long neck wide smile. Uh, shout out to Zoe <laughs> Saldana. I've been giving you shout out since 2016, and at this point, I just... It would come full circle if you were to come on my show just just to get an interview. I wish uh, our audience would engage with some of the stuff that I say, but audience, listen to me now. Hear me now. Please tweet at her. You're going to have to search that because I don't even know her Twitter handle. And so we could get Zoe Soldani on the show. It's a little bit of a lull in her acting right now. We haven't seen her on Guardians of the Galaxy. I haven't seen her in many eight plus movies so i'm thinking she's got a little time i'm just being honest zoe you were in a lot of shit now you're not and i know avatar is not coming out for a long time because jimmy cameron makes movies really slow so if you could please come on to the bitcoin podcast so we can ask you about that lawsuit for that shitty token that you got into in 2017 and uh you know ask you some other stuff so come on audience pull through for us Corey really wants to interview you as well so I get uh, zero shits about interviewing you. 
Turn him. You got to turn his opinion, Zoe. You know, he doesn't believe in you like I do. All right. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, uh, my girlfriend's hearing all of this in this tiny apartment. <laughs> I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. This wrap up is taking forever. Play <laughs> the outro. 